0: Welcome to Shore Street Presbyterian Church podcasts. You are listening to the Moore Conference 2020: Arising the Church to Awaken a Nation. Hi everyone. Let's just pray, uh, God. We just want you to have your way. We want your your glory to fall. We want your consuming fire to to sweep in here and, and really change us, really make us more like yourself, um, make us into lights in this dark world that hold out the word of truth. Uh, Father, So we just move, please? Move, please, for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, great to... Uh, So great to have been with you, and it's been such a blast. And I was telling so many people uh, this morning in my church down in Marlin, which I know you know very well, Uh, Marlin and Dowlingstown. I just describe it: you go to Moira, and then it's the next two villages. Okay, so I'll see you there someday. Uh, but I was telling them all about just what an incredible place this is and what an incredible uh, time we're having, and what incredible worship we're sharing and, and just the warmth of this place. So thank you so much. It's really, 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 really encouraged me and I really appreciated the opportunity to be with you guys. Uh, we have, is anybody here for the first time uh, uh, this weekend? Anyone here for the first time? We've just come in response to a glorious football result today. And, uh, you know, so no one's here for the first time. Well, for anyone who's, uh, I've got the memory of a goldfish, we'll uh, talk about what we've been talking about, which is that we've been talking about arousing the church to awaken the nation. And if we move on to the next slide, we have been thinking about how if we could grasp hold of our identity, that, that we are people called by his name. We are people called by his name. We are his lights. You know, if we could grasp that. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but, um, but you, you know, in, in, in the Old Testament, God says that his name in, 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 sorry, Exodus 3, what does he say his name is? I am. I am. Okay. Now, if, if I said, hello, what's your name? Evie. Evie. Oh, nice to meet you. I am. <laughs> right? doesn't really make sense. To the, I am. Okay. Uh, but the beautiful thing is that God says, I am. Right. And then a fuller revelation of, of who God is, is in Jesus. And then Jesus goes on to say seven things that God is. Isn't that right? So give me an example. I am. The way, the truth, and the life. The way, the truth, and the life I am. Bread life. The bread of life. I am. Good shepherd, I am the light of the world. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Stevie, come here a second. It is Stevie, isn't it? And this is a good way of thinking about it. Sorry, this is off script, but come on ahead. Okay, this is a good way of thinking. Stevie, if you knelt down here, if you knelt down. Okay, this is a really important thing for us to realize as Christians when we think about our identity, right? Just turn towards the the troops there. Um, Now, this is hard to imagine, but I just want you to think for a second that I am God, okay? Okay, And, and so far, all I've said is I am But then Jesus comes, and Jesus is an exact representation of the invisible God, right? Uh, And then he shows us who I am is. So I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. That's who I am. And then God's activity is that he makes a way. Isn't that right? Through the cross, okay? So his identity informs his activity, And then his activity informs the people who call themselves his people. It forms their identity. So we then become little signposts to the way. That's what we become as Christians, little signposts to the way. And then our activity is the day after day we point to where to go. Do you see what I mean? So God says, I am. Then Jesus demonstrates, I am the the light of the world, okay? So his identity is the light of the world his activity is that he brings light to the world. How does he do that? The signs in John, he makes the blind see. That's his activity. Now then, what does he say about us in the pastoral epistles? He says that now you are lights of the world. Okay, and you're meant to be these, 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 these lights. And we're meant to hold out the word of life. Okay, like, like stars in, in the dark, sky, this dark generation that we're in. You see, God's identity shapes his activity, which shapes our identity, which shape our activity. Now, what does God say? He says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd, okay? And how does he demonstrate that he's a good shepherd? He lays down his life for the sheep. And this week, uh, as you go out with your light, here's what you need to do. You need to be little shepherds, okay? Little shepherds who are willing to do anything to bring home the sheep that have been lost. That's our calling. Sorry, that was just, a, a, that wasn't part of the talk. Uh, thank you, Stevie. Uh, Stevie Gibson, is that right? Yeah. Stevie Gibson. Is it Stevie or Steven? Normally Steve. Steven. Steven, when you're, when, you're, when you're bad. All right, I, we, we know each other, so it's Stevie. Me and Stevie. <laughs> Uh, do you support Liverpool? food no. no right okay Stephen <laughs> um, right so uh, sorry that was a very long way of telling you that I want to arise that sense of your identity put up your hand if you lose a sense of your identity sometimes you forget that you're part of the church put up your hand if you forget that a little bit put, put up your hand you know if if maybe you could say that in the last year you haven't fully demonstrated the mission of Jesus okay, okay, a lot of us, so room for improvement, okay, you know, I, I'm trying to remember who it was, famous, famous, famous quote, but somebody said, by God's grace this year I shall become who I am, by God's grace this year I shall become who I am, and that's what we want for, for me, that's what we want for you, that's what we want for the church uh, here And in Marilyn, that famous place that you all know so well, uh, and 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 Nairobi, okay, all the places. Now, that's our identity. Then we have to grasp our responsibility, and our responsibility is what? To humble ourselves and pray. So maybe we went home last night and we just felt a little more confidence, a little more intentionality in our prayer lives but let's carry that on. You know, I love the story, again, just to go back to Exodus 3 for some reason that I don't know, but the story of Moses walking through the wilderness. What does he see? Okay, yeah. So it says he turned aside and saw a bush that was burning. Okay. Now, folks, let me tell you, it's no big deal to be a bush in the wilderness. Sorry, I know I say that weird. From, um, there's certain words that I say weird because I'm from Monaghan. I call it a bush, okay? You call it a, you b- from Bangor, people say a bush. Is that right? A bush from Bangor. Okay, right, okay. But you see, bushes, is that right? Bushes, bushes uh, in the desert, they're two a penny. Nobody, you know, nobody stops and goes, boy, that's a powerful bush. Okay, you know, nobody does that. Okay, and you know what else? You see, bushes that are burning, okay? Is that right? (laughs) Bushes that are burning in the wilderness. That's not a big deal either because it's very hot in the desert. Do you know that? Right? Now, here's the thing. We already talked about the houses behind uh, Alvin's house or what was it? Was that what? Or behind the church, is it? Or whatever. Okay, so we talked about the houses. You know what? They don't actually care that you're a Christian, do they? Really? You know, they don't actually care about somebody says, I'm a Christian. Um, And you know what? I'm not even sure they really care about a Christian that's been to a three-day conference and feels a little bit excited about it. I don't really think they care about that either. That's just a bush that's burning. Bush, it's burning, okay? You know what actually causes people to turn aside? What do you think? A bush, is that right? That's burning and just keeps burning. And folks, that is what's going to win the world. A, 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 a bush that, that, that keeps burning. You know, I, I like what John Piper says. He says, he, it's kind of a weird thing to say in a sense, but he says he often goes to bed at night thinking about Paul's back and what it must have looked like. Why do you think that is? Because he was whipped so many times And he says, "I often go to bed thinking about what his back must have looked like." That's what wins the world. When even though Paul was beaten, even though the apostles were persecuted, they just kept on burning. Do you agree? That's what it's all about. Anyway, that's the introduction. Uh, The final thing: if we want to, we need to arise the church's sense of identity, responsibility, and our sense of priority. And what I mean by priority is this call to turn from wickedness and to seek his face. That is our priority. You know, the face is so important, isn't it? Uh, I was going to do something, but then I realized it would, uh, you'd be in counseling for years after it. I was going to get you to turn and look into somebody's face for a minute and uh, say nothing and just stare into their face. Put up your hand if that would be the most terrifying thing that you'd ever been asked to do. So we're not going to ask you to do it. Don't worry. Don't worry. But the face just reveals so much, doesn't it? Um, I have a, a one-year-old and there is no point in me Really thinking what I'm going to say to the one year old, you know, because I could say anything, okay? Um, But it's all about face, isn't it? The facial recognition is not what it's about, you know, and the smile. And I'm not a particularly smiley person, okay? Um, But you see, when somebody comes before a wee baby, they do all this weird stuff with their face, and the baby laughs and they do weirder stuff. it's all about the face. And I heard, apparently, I don't know if this is true or not, but apparently with with a newborn, their field of vision is directly from the breastfeeding position to the face. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that absolutely incredible? The face is just so, so, so uh, important. Now, a few... Uh, weeks ago, I guess, we, uh, I always have to do like school carol services and all that. And I'm always, you know, sitting up here and the kids are are singing here. And you should see how ridiculous parents look when they're like, <laughs> you know, like up oh, there, you know, and you're just looking. And you say, I can see what you're doing. They're so desperate to just show their, their child that they're pleased. The face is so, so, so important. And I was, I was trying to think in the world of like TV and acting and all that sort of stuff, who had the most expressive kind of face? Who do you think, anyone got any ideas? Who, who's brilliant with their face? Rowan Atkinson, that's exactly how I was thinking of. So I've got some pictures of Rowan, look at that. <laughs> yeah, great, isn't that great? And, and then I found lots of other pictures that made me laugh. There's like, there's a good one, next one. Ah, I like that one. A pity the fool. Okay, uh, next one. Er, uh, Schmeagle. I like that one. Okay, keep going. Oh, there's Justin Bieber. There we go. Uh, a bit, like seriously, you you would just say no, thank you, wouldn't you? If if, if you're presented with that. Uh, okay, next one. Oh, look at that. That's beautiful. And this is a really good one. The next one. Look at that. There we go. There she is. Uh, his face just just does something, doesn't it? It, just, it? He doesn't have to speak. It's just funny. Have you seen Mr. Bean Goes to Church? It's, it's so good. Google it. Look it up on YouTube. It's great. Um, folks, the face is so important. But he, here's, here's the question. Um, in fact, we'll use a pop song if we move to the next slide. Um, maybe some of you aren't old enough to know this song. Does anyone recognize these words? Uh, it was like, if God had a face, what would it look like? It was a, it was a really, really, really popular song by Joan Osborne. If God had a face, what would it look like? If God had a face, what would it look like? What do you think God's face would look like? What do you think God's face would look like when He's looking at you? Do you think He'd be smiling? Do you think He'd be frowning? Do you think He'd be angry? These are very, very, very important questions for us to ask. What do you think God's face would look like as he's looking at you? I'm famous. I've actually resisted it quite well, I think, for two nights. But I'm famous for always using an A.W. Tozer quote. And this is probably my favorite uh, quote on the next slide. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into your mind? If you could see God's face, what expression do you think would be on his face? There's a fascinating uh, piece um, in Exodus 33, and it speaks about Moses. And I guess, you know, that the moment that we're in here is Moses has led the children of Israel out of Egypt and into the, into the wilderness, and uh, I guess, I think he probably has a moment of kind of doubt here, or a little bit of a moment of crisis, and in verse 12 of, of Exodus 33, he says this, Moses said to the Lord, see you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I might know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to them, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct? I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. So what is, is uh, Moses actually saying here? He's saying that we need to know that your hand is on us. We need to know that your hand is on us if we are to go any further. That's the only way people know that we're distinct from all other nations. We need to know that your hand is on us. You see, when Israel went through the Red Sea, it was with God's hand and his mighty outstretched arm that they were able to walk through the Red Sea. The hand of God needed to be with them. And you know, folks, the children of Israel were desperate for the hand of God. When, when you've got the hand of God, miracles happen. You know, if there's somebody sick in your life or if there's somebody struggling in your life or there's a, a, a world issue going on or whatever, as we spoke about last night, you just desperately, desperately, desperately want the hand of God to be on that situation. And hopefully last night, we were praying that the hand of God, the activity of God would would be active. And we've already seen from Stephen there that, you know, that the hand of God, the activity of God changes things. But then Moses goes on. And he says, And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. And Moses said, please show me your glory. And you, sorry, and you, sorry, and he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you can stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Now folks, what's happening here? Moses, first of all, says we need your hand with us. Like that is just, we can't go any further In this wilderness, without your hand, without your activity, without your power. But then Moses says something. He says, but I really, really, really want to see your face. I really want to see your face. You know, he says, I I want to see your glory. And in in Hebraic thought, the, the glory of somebody was revealed in their face. And Moses says, you can't, sorry, God says, you can't see my face because if you saw my face, you wouldn't live. So I'll hide you in the cleft of this rock. Folks, think about that. Where the whole of Israel were content with just seeing God's hand, Moses wanted to see his face. Where the whole of Israel was content seeing his hand Moses was desperate to see his face. I think I have a quote on the next slide, do you guys? Yeah, I love this from Max Licato. He says this, but Moses needs more. One more request, glory, show me your glory. We cross a line when we make such a request. When our deepest desire is not the things of God or a favor from God, but God himself. We cross a threshold. Less self-focus, more God-focus, less about me, more about him. Folks, I wanna... uh, show you two scenarios here, okay? Uh, is there somewhere good and nearby to order pizza here? Is there, is there a Donegal pizza shop? Can you order? Is, can, will they deliver to the church here? Will they? I'm oh, sorry, that's nothing to do with the sermon, just starving. <laughs> uh, no, right? So I want you to think about this, right? See when the pizza delivery man comes to my door, I like Domino's, I like barbecue meat feast, right? It's very nice, okay? These are liking that, right? Okay, when I order pizza, dial it on the phone, and a man comes to the door, right? And the man comes to the door, and he says, got a pizza here that's £15.78. It's expensive, Domino's, okay? £15.78. Well, what I do is I go, thank you very much. I sort of close the door a tad, and then I go into my office and try and find some money from somewhere, right? And then... I I come out, and I give him some money. I take the pizza. I say, cheerio. I kick the door, and I go in and eat it, right? Is that what you guys do? Yeah? Right? Now, if I did that with my wife, right? If I rang downstairs and said, Zara, I'm absolutely starving. Could you make me something to eat, right? And then she knocked the door, and I said, right, uh, took the food off her, kicked the door, okay, and went into the house, that would not work, would it? I mean, she would be pretty annoyed, right? But if I treated the pizza man like my wife, okay, if he came to the door with a pizza, I said, hey, get over here. (laughs) (laughs) Stephen's glad I didn't use him for this illustration, isn't he? And I say, listen, this is awesome. Pizza, this is awesome. You're getting a bath run. (laughs) <laughs> I would be reported. Um, yeah, that would not be good. You see, there's a different relationship, isn't there? You know, God actually calls himself Jehovah-Jireh. Do you know what that means? Our awesome provider or the one who provides, okay? But he's not just that. Do you see that? He's not just that. You know, he, 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 he will stretch out his hand. And deliver the children of Israel out through the Red Sea. He will do that. He will heal miraculously. But he's so much more than just a provider. You know, it, it amazes me. It really does amaze me. Uh, when, when I do things on the street, I love doing things on the street. And a few uh, weeks ago, or a couple of months ago actually now, uh, we, we did a few Saturdays in a shopping center called Rushmere. And we just went out and prayed for people. It was great. Um, And it's amazing because, you know, if you find anybody, nearly anybody will receive prayer. They really will. So what we do is we just go up and we say, uh, well, what's your name? Oh, listen, I'm from the local church. And we're just looking for prayer requests. Is there anything we can pray for? And it's amazing because I can tell you, you know, we we had, there was a guy I met in in Craig Avenue, a guy from Afghanistan. You know, Afghanistan, he's homeschooling his kids. And I said, Listen, can I pr- I'm a Christian, but can I pray for you? And he was a Muslim, but he let me pray, lay hands on him, pray for him. It's just beautiful, okay? And, and you know, the fascinating thing is uh, you meet atheists, and they'll say, oh, I don't believe in God, and all this sort of stuff. And you say, Right, can we pray for you anyway? And they go, aye, why not? Okay. You know, they'll do that. The only people you don't want to meet are Christians. Okay, there, honestly, as soon as you see a Bible, run. Okay, because they'll say, I don't need your prayers. I've got my own church or something like that. You know, and you just think, oh, Lord. (laughs) You know, avoid, see a cross around their neck, run. Okay, you know, that sort of thing. Um, But it's amazing. Like, most people are up for the hand of God. Most people are up for the hand of God. But it's different when you have the opportunity to, to see the face of God. You know, every church of Ireland, in, in Ireland, I think, because I'm Church of Ireland, okay? Sorry, you didn't know that. I'll leave now. I'm again. Uh, they all have healing services, you know, healing services. And if you call people forward for healing, most people will come. But if you say, who wants more of God here? Who wants more of God here? Honestly, you know, a cough is the only sign of life. Okay, in some of these places. Because you cross a line here, folks. You cross a line. Most people want to see the hand of God. But who wants to see the face of God? And folks, that's when the awakening happens. The awakening happens when, when it becomes about worship and not just about demands. That's when the awakening happens. You know, and that's what God says. He says, if my people... Or called by my name, would humble themselves and pray, and then turn from their wicked ways and seek my face. I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, heal their land. I wonder are you guys, are you desperate for the hand of God? Yeah, I'm sure you are. I am. But are you really desperate for the face of God? That's called worship. That's called worship. And folks, I would argue that it is our biggest priority, worship. Do you know that song? I should get Carly to sing these, you know, as, as I mentioned them rather than me. Do you know I love that song. The first time ever I saw your face. Do you know that one? I definitely should've got Carly to sing that, shouldn't I? Okay. <laughs> well, folks, you know what that's called? That's called conversion. The first time you see God's face, that's called conversion discipleship is the worship adventure of wanting to see his face every day. And as we, as we fix our eyes on his face, we become transformed from one degree of glory to another. That's called discipleship. Do you do that? You know, folks, this isn't just Christian homework. Read this thing. Do you know what this is? This is the wardrobe, right? This is the wardrobe. And you go into this, into the land of Narnia, and you meet Aslan. That's what this is. You know, information, honestly, it, it's unbelievable. Some of the most difficult people you'll ever meet are people that know this book really, really, really well because they've read it for, for information or for whatever reason, but they haven't entered into this wardrobe to meet Aslan because when you go into this wardrobe and meet Aslan, you become more like him, more like him. Are you desperate to know him? and see his face. That's what worship is, folks. That's what worship is. Now, very simply, I just want to talk about three things. Um, And I was, do you remember, does anyone remember, are are there any U2 fans here? Uh, When I was writing this sermon, uh, there was a U2 song on in the background. Hold me, thrill me, kiss me, kill me. Do you remember that? Batman song. Uh, So we're going to use some of those words. Not all of them, you'll be glad to hear. But if we move to the next slide. um, Well, before we do that, just to show you this, guys. This, this after, after Moses has this experience of seeing a, a glimpse of God, um, Israel begin to dream of this, seeing God's face. And it's just right the way through the Bible. I just wanted to show you that. Psalm 4. Who will show us better times? Let your face smile on us, Lord. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? My heart says of you, seek his face, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. And you know what, folks? We, the blessing is that Jesus came and revealed to us the face of God. Jesus came and revealed the face of God. That's why Stevie, the illustration with, with Stephen there, you know, it's so important because it's no longer a mystery what God's face looks like because Jesus is the exact representation of the invisible God. That's who he is. So I want to invite you on this quest for his face. But here's the, the three words, hopefully on the next slide. Seeking his face will thrill us, it'll kill us, and it'll spill out of us. It'll thrill us, it'll kill us and it'll spill out of us. What do I mean by that? Well, uh, I love this from a book called The Sacred Romance by Curtis and Eldridge. Uh, it, It just talks about, it talks about the metaphors of our relationship with God like a totem pole, okay? Now picture that, like a totem pole. And it says this, if you consider them in a kind of ascending order there is a notable and breathtaking progression. Down at the bottom of the totem pole, we are just the clay and he is the potter. And then we move up a notch, we are the sheep and he's the shepherd, which is a bit better on the food chain than a potter and clay, but it's not flattering. Sheep don't have a reputation as the most gracious, uh, graceful and intelligent creatures. We move upwards, we are servants and he's the master, which at least lets us into the house, but not much more. Uh, Many Christians don't get past this point, but then the metaphors make a swift descent. God then calls us children, and he is our father, which brings us into the possibility of real intimacy. Um, And still, there's something missing even in the best parent-child relationship. Friendship levels the playing field in a way family never can, at least not until the kids have grown up and left the house. Friendship offers a level of communication that a five-year-old doesn't know with his mother and father, and friends is what he calls us. Folks, I wonder, have you seen the face of God yet? Have you seen the face of God yet? I wanna tell you the thrilling truth that for anyone here that's afraid, because we will all see God's face in the end, okay? Um, Some of us will be afraid to see God's face because we haven't quite met him yet and befriended him yet. And some of us will be terrified that when God would see us, he would disapprove um, and he would frown um, and he would reject us. But the beautiful truth is that that doesn't need to be the case. There's that amazing story, I'm sure you've heard it, um, about a Confederate soldier uh, sitting outside the White House, depressed because he hasn't been given the land that Lincoln has promised him, okay, and, and of course he can't get access to see uh, Lincoln to, to challenge him on this because there's these great big uh, soldiers standing at the door of the White House, and He's, he's weeping because of the cost to his life of not having these lands returned to him. And then a wee boy comes. And the wee boy just leads him right into the presence of Lincoln. And that wee boy is his son. You know, and that's the beautiful thing that we don't need to be afraid of the day we meet God face to face because we have this thrilling opportunity that Jesus could take us right into the presence of God and we don't need to be afraid. Like I, I'll never forget, I was talking to a colleague a couple of weeks ago, and he was telling me that there was a, a man in Craigavon Hospital who, who, was, who was dying. And uh, my friend Sam went into, the, in, into the, the hospital, and the man was just like this. He was so excited to die. So excited today because he was going to see his father face to face. Many people don't have that experience, but it's the thrilling reality that we can be right with God and just be so excited about seeing him face to face. I'm so excited about seeing him. I know my life's not perfect and I know I let God down in so many ways, but I'm so excited to see him. And here's the the wonderful thing about it, guys. Guys, And Carly's already talked about, you know, her own conversion at 18, just a little bit there. But the beautiful thing is, it's not about being good or bad. It's about how Jesus can make the dead alive. Like, who who here's seen Shawshank Redemption? The movie, The Shawshank Redemption. Uh, Isn't it, it, in that movie, uh, Andy Dufresne is in a prison. And then he starts to, to tap a hole in the wall. And he's got a picture of, is it Rita Hayworth? I don't know who that is, but okay. Rita Hayworth uh, over the hole. And then he climbs through the hole one kind of like lightning stormy night. And when the lightning strikes, he uses a big uh, rock to bash the sewage pipe. And then Andy Dufresne has to crawl through half a mile of sewage to get to his freedom, and then he stands like free in this, in this lake. And here's the beautiful thing, folks. See, if you want to be free, you don't have to crawl through any sewage. If you want to be free, you don't have to crawl through any sewage. You can be free right here and now. Today can be the day where you just look forward to seeing the face of God and you don't fear it. Because when you meet Jesus, you realize that God wants to smile on you He wants to give you his favor. He wants to love you. And folks, you know, there's stuff we can read in the New Testament where we read people like, like Paul. And I love what Paul says in Philippians. Just let me two seconds. I can look this up from Philippians 3. Philippians 3. And what Paul says in Philippians it just excites me, you know. It just excites me about this journey we can go on. Sorry, I should look this up. Uh, Philippians 3, and we're just looking at verse uh, 10. Are we? Oh, yes, 10 to 14, okay. Um, it says, so that at the name of Jesus, I'm sorry, I'm in two, that's the problem. Philippians 3, apologies. I tell you, good preparation in the dark here, up here as well. It's great. Uh, oh, now I see it. It says this that I might know him in the power of his resurrection, might share in his sufferings, become like him in his death, that by Any means possible, I might attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining towards what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. Folks, is that the thrilling journey that you're on? To just see him clearer, to love him dearer, to follow him nearer? Is that you? Secondly, folks, it kills. It kills. You see, there, there's a, there's a kind of what would seem like a contradiction in, in that Exodus passage because it, it says right before I started to read that Moses saw God face to face. Isn't that Right? He saw God face to face like one speaker to a friend. Now, that probably describes the intimacy of their relationship more than a physical looking, Moses looking into God's face. Because what we know is that if we looked into God's face, we would die. We would die. There are other people in the Bible, though, that see God his face or see God in some way. Like Gideon, uh, he uh, perceived that he was the angel of the Lord that he was in communion with. Now, the angel of the Lord is not just an angel. The angel of the Lord is, most commentators believe, a a sort of pre-incarnate Jesus, okay? The angel of the Lord. Um, And Gideon says, "'Alas, O Lord God, I have seen you face to face,' and the Lord said to him, "'Peace be with you. Do not fear, you shall not die.'" And then in Revelation 1, uh, John has a, a vision of, of Jesus as well. He sees Jesus, and he doesn't look like the, the carpenter Jesus from the parables. He, he's got like blazing eyes, and he's sort of unbelievably like white, wool hairy, like unbelievably uh, overwhelming. Uh, and John falls down like dead. You know, when you see God, we understand that you die but yet these people didn't die. What is that about? Is that a contradiction in the Bible? Well, I think this. I think when you see God, something in you dies. Something in you dies. There's even a moment, I don't know if you remember this bit, but what what do we say the name of God revealed in Exodus 3 was? I am. And there's a moment where the soldiers come to, uh, to arrest Jesus, and they say, are you... Jesus of Nazareth, blah, blah, blah. What does Jesus say? I am. And what happens then? Pfft, they fall down. Because it's like, it's like they get a little revelation in that moment that this is God. You know, something dies in us when we see God. Seeing God is costly stuff. You know, Michelangelo—not um, the turtle, okay—the the artist, okay. Michelangelo was asked how he understood sculpture, okay, and he said, "He said when I see a block of marble, I believe it's my job to free the character within it from its cage." Isn't that cool? Free the character within it from his cage. And I heard a more contemporary uh, sculptor saying this uh, after he'd he'd sculpted this incredible huge elephant, right? And he was asked, how do you do something like that? And he says, well, I start to chip away and anything that doesn't look like an elephant, I get rid of. (laughs) Isn't that so clever? (laughs) I start to chip at the rock. Anything that doesn't look like an elephant, I get rid of. Well, folks, here's the reality. The more we look at Jesus, the more we look into the face of God, the more we worship, the more we become like him, the more stuff that's not of him just starts to die. Second Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all who with unveiled faces can contemplate the Lord's glory Are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You know, when you look at Jesus, it burns stuff away that doesn't belong in us, as the people called by his name, it burns it away. That's why you should worship all night. That's why your life should become just an act of worship. Because in worship, Stuff that doesn't look like an elephant burns away. Stuff that doesn't look like Jesus burns away. Some of the things that burn away, uh, I love. We've already talked about Tim Keller. And I love what he says. Um, let me tell you something before I tell you that. There's, a, there's a, a, probably my, one of my most absolute, it's one of my favorite, favorite parts of the whole Bible is Acts 7, I think, where Stephen gets stoned. Is that act seven? Yeah, I think it is. You'll find it anyway. Act seven, right? And as he's getting stoned, what happens? Heaven is opened. And he, he, he looks up. And what does he see? Jesus. And what's Jesus doing? Now, how many times do you think that happens in the Bible? One time. Okay? One time. Every other time that we see Jesus in situ in heaven, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. That one time he's standing. Here's the question. Why is he standing? Why is he standing? Well, I don't know. (laughs) But... I loved uh, what a commentator said. I'm trying to remember which commentator. It was a Chinese commentator, but I can't quite remember his name. Um, but he says this he says, he says that Stephen's death brought Jesus to his feet. He brought Jesus to his feet. Every other time he's seated on, the th- uh, seated on his throne at the right hand of the Father, but Stephen's death brought Jesus to his feet. And folks, this is what Tim Keller says. He says, when you have the smile of God, all other frowns are inconsequential. Okay, if you can see God's face and you know he's smiling on you, you don't need a fear man. You don't need a fear man or a woman. And they're even scarier. Joke, as a joke. Okay. Uh, that was a joke, not planned. <laughs> but seriously, do you hear that? You know, when you have the smile of God you can lose the fear of man. It's, it's, the elephant burns away. You know, stuff that doesn't look like the elephant burns away. Fear of man's gone. I love um, the story of, of the, the woman. Do you remember Jesus is at a very fancy meal when only men are invited, Simon's, the Pharisee's house. And this woman just bursts into the room and she sees only one thing and that's Jesus. And she just ignores all these other blokes who are very important, very religious fellas, you know, and all this sort of stuff. And she just hits the ground, starts to just pour ointment, starts to just dry his feet with her hair. She can only see one thing because you see in worship, when you've got the smile of God, fear of man is inconsequential. That's why you can go into Rushmere Shopping Center and you can pray for people even though the security guards, if they figure out who you are, will put you out, okay? You you can do that because it's worship. It's worship. Stuff dies, folks. Stuff dies. Um, I, I know you'll know this. Carly doesn't know this song. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Do you know that song? We'll sing it in a few minutes. We'll teach Carly it, all right? Look full in his... And the things. See, when you see, when you fix your eyes on Jesus, the, the things of earth just die. You know, when it says, those who cling to worthless idols, isn't that right? In Jonah, is that right, Jonah? Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Those who cling to the grace and look in the face of Jesus, they don't want this stupid stuff, do they? Don't want this stupid stuff of earth. It grows strangely dim. It kills the desire for those things, folks. I don't know, um, just for my friends here, my my Anfield friends here, Liverpool men here, I don't know if you saw, uh, our striker, Bobby Firmino, Brazilian, was baptised last week. Did we see that? He was baptised. The goalkeeper of Liverpool, Alison, uh, did the baptism. Beautiful, okay. It's the Christian choice to support Liverpool okay? And uh, here's what uh, Bobby Firmino, uh, our Liverpool's number nine, said. He says, I give my failures to Jesus and the victories I will give him to. My greatest title is your love, Lord Jesus. Isn't that brilliant? You know, there's a picture of him holding the, the Champions League. That's the best trophy you can win in, in, in the whole of football. He's holding the championship. He says, my greatest title is the love of Jesus. Because when you turn your eyes upon Jesus, the things of earth kind of dim. That's what we need to do, guys. Finally, finally, it spills. It spills. See, people think, people think that there is some sort of division between worship and activism and evangelism. There's not, folks. There's not. You know, we have to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That's worship. We seek first his kingdom and then the other stuff is added on to us. You know, the the lovers of God will outwork the workers. Are you a lover, you know, of God? You know, Jesus says to Peter, you know, Peter is always ready to do stuff, isn't he? Ready to do stuff. We're going to build a shelter here. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. He's always ready to do stuff. Jesus says to him, now, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Okay, well, feed me, sheep. Do you love me? That's, he's asking them, are you a worshiper? Do you, do you love me? That's where activity comes out of, folks. It spells. it spills. Uh, Psalm 67, is that in the next slide, guys, Psalm 67? Yeah, look at this. May God be gracious to us and bless us. Make his face shine upon us, right? that's, that's, That's what we want, folks. We want God's blessing, his hand, but we want his face. We want intimacy with him. Why? So that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation amongst the nations. Amongst the nations. That's what we want, folks. That's what we want. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can find more on your favorite podcast platform or visit our website at you.